Amen. Thank you, Adam. Okay, good. So we will have a Bible reading in a second. Um, But yeah, so last week we kicked off our new series on unanswered prayer. And this evening we'll be looking at the passage in Mark's Gospel where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll spend some time looking at Jesus and how he got through the darkest and hardest time of his life and how we can learn from that as we go through some hard times in our own lives. Uh, And I'm going to be really honest, I haven't reinvented the wheel for this evening's talk. You can actually find an almost identical talk on the Answered Prayer website. And actually this whole sermon series is actually based off this book, which I can highly recommend if you've ever felt abandoned by God or if the title states, God on Mute. Uh, You can borrow this copy or do get yourself one. And in a second, we'll read our passage for today. But for a little bit of context, uh, we're placed in Gethsemane, where Jesus is with a few of his disciples. And he went there to process his, his own emotions and to wrestle with the will of God. And we find Jesus here on the verge of a breakdown. He's actually here at his most vulnerable. And yet we'll find he's incredibly intentional too. Prior to Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane, a whole lot goes down and, God, and Jesus knows a whole lot is about to come. There's been the plot to kill Jesus. Um, we've had the Last Supper, that's just happened. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's about to be, uh, there's about to be the denial of Jesus by Peter. And this all happens in one single night. And Jesus, of course, knows what's going to happen the day after. Now, I think Jesus qualifies an example for us as we look at the question, how, um, how am I going to get through this? And we'll see that Jesus, every step of the way, makes such clear choices. And there's a lot we can learn from him and about how we can get through the really dark times in our own lives. So let's take a look at our passage today. Anne's going to come up. It's in Mark, if you want to open up your own Bibles. It's in Mark 14, 32 to 37. Which is on page 1021 of these shiny turquoise Bibles, if you have one of those. All available on all good apps. Mark uh, chapter 14, verse 32 onwards. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Very good. So, there are four fundamental choices, or keys if you will, that Jesus makes that can help us, each one of us, in times of despair. Now, the first one is place. Notice that Jesus goes out of his way to a place that is particular to him, a place he loved. This is great self-knowledge and leadership, as grief can be so disorientating. And in the midst of chaos, it is wise to surround yourself in familiar places. Gethsemane wasn't just a nice place and peaceful place to pray. It was actually loaded with, um, with prophetic significance. 
Gethsemane means oil press. Olives were pressed on site, so there was pressure and literal crushing. Now, I wish I had an olive press with me this evening. I did have a look on Facebook Marketplace, and shockingly enough, they weren't selling one. So you're just going to have to use your imagination. It's not complicated. The pressure pulps the fruit, and it extracts the oil. And I imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, feeling crushed at every level, as he looked up at this massive oil press. And Jesus was crushed at every level. He was crushed psychologically. Mark points to it, and Jesus says it himself. My soul is overwhelmed. And overwhelmed here means encircled. Jesus is saying, I am encircled with grief. And this is a moment of mental, spiritual, emotional and physical collapse. Jesus is here at his most vulnerable. And the word for soul soul here in Greek is translated to psyche. Jesus is saying, the totality of my mind, conscious and unconscious, is in agony. He is being crushed spiritually, secondly. In verse 35, we see this. He says he fell to the ground to pray. This isn't a polite devotional. Uh, Jesus is here wrestling with God, the flesh, and the devil, anticipating the dark night, the day ahead. And he's being crushed emotionally. He has just been betrayed by someone he loved and trusted, a friend sold like a piece of meat for cash. And he has begged his three best friends for help, but instead they have let him down. He finds him sleeping. After all these years of unconditional love, after unconditional love, there is no one on earth who can comfort Jesus. And finally, he's being crushed physically. In Luke's gospel, we're told that his um, sweat um, is like drops of blood falling to the ground. So here, beyond any doubt, we have a man who is caught in the extremes of mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical torment. And actually, in many ways, you might feel crushed, mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Maybe you've been betrayed by people you thought you trusted. You may well feel abandoned by God. Some of us may even feel overwhelmed with sorrow, or at least can think of a time when we have And this is what the Bible has to say. It says that the God of the universe has suffered similar things. He is not indifferent to our pain. And this is Hebrews 4 verse 15. It says exactly this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. And Isaiah describes the Messiah as a a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Now, I know this is a beautiful and important truth. And you may too. But you might also just roll your eyes and actually think that's way too simplistic or just mere sentiment. If, re- if Jesus does really care, why doesn't he just intervene? And I have wondered this over and over again. It's a very real question for some of us here tonight. And we will touch on God's apparent absence in, um, in two weeks' time. Now, I don't think the Messiah being acquainted with grief and see- saying that Christ suffers with us is simplistic or a pure sentiment at all. I think it's actually one of the most important and profound truths we can discover as a person. It's unique to the Christian gospel that God does not leave us to suffer alone. And Jesus didn't die a serene death. He was tortured, beaten, humiliated. Jesus' death was horrendous. And he went through all of that for us on our behalf. But Jesus didn't just die for us. He is also suffering with us. And it's Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and I wonder what that valley has been or is for you at the moment, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We always wonder, oh, I always want God to airlift me out of my valleys. And he does, sometimes he does, and we call that a miracle, and it's great. But most of the time, he doesn't airlift us out of our valleys, but rather he parachutes in, and he joins us in our despair and distress. This has definitely been my experience over and over again. Some of my really big prayers in my life still haven't been answered, but I simply can't deny all the small signs of God's presence with me day by day along the way. So there are four keys in this Bible passage to help us process painful times. The first is significance of place. Gethsemane is particular to Jesus. Secondly, Jesus seeks out carefully certain people in his darkest hour. He wants his three best friends by his side, and he makes himself extraordinarily vulnerable with them. And he tells them how he's feeling, and he asks them to support him. And as in my own life, when I feel overwhelmed, there can really be that strong temptation to pull away and to isolate. But my friends like to, to remind me, when I pretend everything's fine, they tell me, it's okay not to be okay. And we need to tell people, it's okay not to be okay. Jesus shows us here in this story how important it is to lean onto our friends in, time, in hard times and to tell them honestly how we are doing. When life is tough, there is no shame in being weak. Some of you may know, I go sea swimming. I go sea swimming all year round, and I often get asked, oh, isn't it cold? Yes, it's flipping cold. It's the UK. It is really cold. <laughs> I went yesterday. I did not stay in very long. But I don't go by myself. I go with a friend, and she makes sure I get there on time. I actually get into the water, and I actually stay in longer than five seconds. Um, and we always feel great and refreshed afterwards. Um, but the key here is I don't go by myself. I go with a friend. And there have been so many studies that have proven that a companion doubles your resilience. And I know this is a bit of a silly story when I'm talking about unanswered prayer, but truly, like, I could not get out of my bed in the morning early and, like, get into that cold sea by myself. And I think it's the same when we go through really hard times, actually. We see that Jesus doesn't do it, and nor should we go through hard times by ourselves. But notice here, Jesus doesn't make himself vulnerable with everyone and anyone he narrows his circle to just three people. So please don't make yourself vulnerable with everyone and anyone. Just keep it to a few people you know and you really trust. So, first key to remember is the importance of place. Second is people. And the third one is push into prayer. Jesus fell to the ground and prayed. The temptation is to isolate ourselves in times of trouble from others, but that can also apply to our relationship with God. Our friends are essential but ultimately, they are insufficient. Jesus found his friends sleeping. One clear word from the Father can bring more clarity and comfort than a thousand words from a friend. Two or three years ago, my grandfather passed away, and he chose to do this through euthanasia. Now, I don't think it's legal in the UK, but it is in the Netherlands, where I'm from. So on that Saturday, I knew that it would be the last time I would see him, so I had to say my goodbyes. And for the... So my grandfather had a car accident 10 years before his passing, which left him paralysed and speechless. So I, and he'd been a vicar for his whole life. But at that stage, I just had no idea where his faith was at or where he thought God had been all these 10 years. And I was praying and crying out to God that, last, that evening before. And I was talking to Jesus about this. So the next day I go to see my grandfather. And the presence of God in that room is probably 
I've never felt it that strongly before. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, um, I had all these questions and all these doubts. And where was God in all of this? Where was he during those 10 years uh, when my grandfather couldn't speak or barely move? And actually, God was right there. God had been present in so many small ways throughout all those years, but he was so tangibly present in that room that last day. And God could have, could have stopped the car accident. He could have healed him. He had 10 years to do so. He could have taken my grandfather peacefully in his sleep, but he didn't. But God met us in our grief as a family, and he was so present during those weeks afterwards as well. And I've prayed Psalm 23 over and over again in moments of grief and sadness back then and now. In moments where I felt utterly alone, I have experienced the peace of God. And I wonder what you do in hard times. Who do you turn to? What do you do? You know, Jesus teaches us here the significance of place, of people. Don't isolate yourselves from others and pray. Don't isolate yourself from God. And maybe you want to try to put some of these keys into place next time you find yourself walking through a distressing and hard time. Now there's one final key uh, in these verses that we can learn from. The fourth key is finding purpose. Jesus so in- is so incredibly intentional. Every step of the way, he finds purpose in his pain. Jesus' suffering was terrible, but it wasn't arbitrary. It had a direction and it had a context. When possible, try to find purpose in the pain and sometimes this can be really really hard and actually can take a really long time to even be open to the fact that anything good could come out of your heartbreak but it will help if you can and I'm not downplaying this at all I know this is really hard so maybe it's finding purpose in spite of the pain when you can't find purpose in the pain sometimes I found I find hope and healing actually in being able to help others and coming alongside them as they go through similar things. So coming back to that oil press imagery, olive oil wasn't just used for cooking, but it was also used to light oil lamps. It was used to create light. Jesus was crushed to become the light of the world, the healer of nations, and the anointed king of kings. Often we can't change our situation, but we can change our relationship with that situation. So to answer our question this evening, how am I going to get through this? Can I encourage you to surround yourself with familiar places, lean into your friends, push into prayer, and try to find purpose in spite of pain? Now this topic is obviously very sensitive and actually might have brought up some really deep emotions for some of you. So let's spend some time praying together. Uh, And if you would like someone to pray with you after service, ask me or Adam or anyone else, and we would absolutely love to pray with you um, and come alongside you. So to kind of close, can I invite you to stand with me? And we're just going to pray. So as you do so, as you get out of the comfy seats, identify uh, one or two of the greatest struggles in your life. And I want you to clench them, put put your fists out, and clench them as hard as you can in your fists. Um... So as you've done so, clench them really hard and then just gently release them, relaxing your fists and opening up your hands and offering up your pain to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we come to you with our pain and disappointment and all of our questions. I ask you to take the things that crush us 
and turn them into something valuable, meaningful and beautiful. Light in our darkness, that we may shine in the shadows and banish fear. Amen.